You are listening to audio from Riverside Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit riverside.church. Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Riverside. My name's Keith, one of the leaders around our church. And um, this is my final sermon as one of your pastors. Um, Almost 15 years ago, my wife and I were part of the team that started Riverside. So that kind of makes me the founding pastor. And since I was the only pastor, it also at that time made me the lead pastor or the senior pastor, which is something I just just kept being, I guess. Um, But starting tomorrow, I'm I'm transitioning to a new career as a full-time pilot. I'm not leaving Riverside. I'm going to stay a member of our church, but I am going to fly an airplane full-time. I won't be on staff anymore. I won't be one of your pastors anymore. I'll be flying an airplane as my full-time job. And as I've been preparing for this change in my life, you can imagine a pretty big change for me. On May 1st, the Lord said, Keith, I want you to read Philippians every single day. So every day, for the most part, I've been reading Philippians in the morning time I spend time with Jesus. I open my Bible and read Philippians. It was amazing how different sections spoke to me at different, um, different parts throughout this month. And so Pastor 28 says, I've just been reading Philippians each day. It's been very powerful and very encouraging for me, informative for me. This past Monday, after already starting to write the sermon on the Sermon on the Mount passage I was given, um, I've sensed the little Holy Spirit say, now change up a little bit. I want you to repurpose the words of Philippians for Riverside. Like, it's like as Paul's running the church at Philippi, I want you, that's kind of being embedded in you, Keith, I want you to kind of give these kind of words to Riverside. Speak from the heart using the themes and the vision from Philippians. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. In other words, after 15 years of preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible, I'm going to change it up in my last sermon. You know, what could go wrong, right? This is why we're keeping on your toes. I hope this doesn't crash and burn. I hope it lands well. See what I did there? See what I did there? Yes. First of many pilot puns that will be made in today's sermon. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are so good and so big and that we get to see the church moving in the scriptures and we get to see the church being built over 2,000 years of church history and we've got to experience it here at Riverside and what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do in this church is just amazing. For your glory, for your name, for your renown. God, I pray that this morning this will be about you, what you have for us, about your spirit's work in our church, about the love that you are developing among us for each other and for the world and for ultimately for your son, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, Riversiders, as I stand before you today, my heart does overflow with gratitude. It does overflow with joy. It's been a blast and a privilege to be one of your pastors. And it's, it's a special privilege to be the founding pastor Because I can see the words that Paul actually wrote in Philippians. He said this in Philippians. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. And as I thought about this passage, it's been a privilege to walk walk alongside some of you for a very long time. Some of you from the very first day. Ryan and Lisa, Zachary and Eliana, like, we started this thing in your living room in many ways. And here we are 15 years later. It's just amazing. Amazing. Glovers, 
You weren't like the day one people, but you're pretty darn close to day one people. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Dwayne, Dale and Kathy, remember getting pizza in my house saying, we want to be part of this church plant? Jeff, you weren't a day one person. There was a break in the middle there because of a girl, but we'll leave that. We'll call you a day one person, Jeff. Um. <laughs> and uh, to my Shelly and the kids, um, Tommy Hunter, Joe, Ben, Anna, you guys obviously are ground zero people. Uh, Shelly and I, my wife said, we want our kids growing up to not say dad pastored a church, not to say mom and dad planted a church. We want our kids to grow up saying, we planted a church. I hope you guys have sensed the work you've done in all this. Um, you spent many Saturday nights in the wintertime setting up this room or pulling a trailer, sitting right seat in a truck or, or doing work on the beacon or just doing great work. And I do appreciate the work you guys have done. This is your fruit as well, you, you guys. Um, we've planted this together. I'm so proud of you all and you're helping that. It's been amazing. I've known some of you for less than a month. Some I've known for over a decade now. Think about the Lebinskis, I've known them for over a decade. That's been amazing, just the work that God has done, be it a short time we've known each other or a long time we've known each other. And friends, it's been an absolute privilege to be one of your pastors, to partner together in the work of Jesus. I think we've celebrated marriages together, right? We've buried loved ones together. Sent missionaries off together. Missionaries welcome back together. <laughs> Gone through a global pandemic together. We've launched this community center together, which has been an amazing journey of God. Baptized new believers. It's just been amazing to be one of your pastors. <clears throat> With that said, I can confidently say what Philippians 1 6 says that what God has done through Riverside in the past 15 years, He's going to continue to do. Great things are ahead for us as a church as we go deeper and forward together in the gospel. What, now, what Paul wrote to the Philippian church, he wrote it when he was in chains. Paul was in jail. That kept him from being <clears throat> their pastor in the flesh, in the trenches. Um, he was in jail. That's why he couldn't be with them. Now, I would say similar, but not very similar. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be your pastor anymore, not because I'm in chains or suffering for the gospel. I'll be flying an airplane. That's, you know, I'm enjoying that. But hey, I can promise you, just because I'm flying an airplane, I'm still praying for you the way Paul's praying for the church when he was away. That's, you've always been in my heart, Riverside, as, I, as I've prayed for our church. As I, as I prepared to preach for 15 years, I just pray for you guys. I pray for you guys, and I pray for you guys. And it's not stopped since I started flying more, and it's not going to stop when I fly more. I, I'm, my heart is with you guys. We are the family of God together. We're family. I mean, we've raised kids together, right? I mean, Dave, we remember canoe trips with our kids. It's just some, like We're family. And that doesn't change because my job is changing. It doesn't. And I can confidently say because Jesus developed this neat sense of love among us. I can confidently say that. I hope you have felt that love of God here in this church. And I pray that we'll continue to grow in the love of Jesus as a church for the years to come. I've had this picture. I've never actually shared this with my, I don't think I've shared this with Shelly and the kids, but I've had this picture. Um, one of my favorite singers is Andrew Peterson. He's got this song about a road trip he takes with his family. And one of the lines in his song, he sings this. I brought an old recording of your father. He was teaching men and women how to love. It's been this dream of mine that my grandkids, my great-grandkids would one day find recordings of my sermons and they would help to learn how to love. Not expound theology, not, not pass some theoretical Bible quiz, but they would grow in love through some recordings of 
their granddad preaching. Because <laughs> that's what matters, right? That we would grow in love for God and grow in love for others. And I pray that the same thing would be had true for us as a church, that we'd have our love abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Let me be clear as I think about Philippians. As a pilot, I plan to be as driven for Jesus as driven for the mission of God as I've been as a pastor. It's not changing. I'm not retiring from being fully devoted to the mission of God. I'm just being sent to new heights for the gospel of Christ. Yes, yes, yes. You see what I did there, right? Yes. It's, I'll be here our, I would say all day, but it's really just three more hours. Then I'm, you know. With that said, um, I know that change is hard, right? I mean, change is hard. As I've been reading Philippians this, much, this month over and over again, it, it documents some relational tension in the Philippian church in verses 15 through 20. It's actually pretty intense tension in the church. As I've read these, these six verses a lot, I found myself praying for the folks who've left Riverside over the years. Um, I mean, some of you have noticed we're a smaller church now since the pandemic's, you know, gone through it and... We've had close friends leave this church. People that, you know, just it's hard. I've been praying for this month. Some of the reasons they've given for leaving makes total sense, and we bless. Some have been kind of weird, but we, whatever, we bless, you know. Um, some have been just mirroring our culture. It's fracturing. And that, that fraction of the culture certainly spilled into the church at times, right? We know that. We've sensed that. You've looked around, you've noticed that. People have asked me if I've noticed it. It's been hard, but friends, as, I have, as I've kind of just, by the nature of being a pastor, got to keep tabs on folks as they go to new churches and do new things, I'll tell you what, like a lot of our friends who aren't here today, they're thriving in Christ, and they're growing in love, and they're doing the mission of God, and it's, it's, it's very encouraging to see, and so I just, it's a win, like, I've been praying this week and praying this month about this. It's just, it's a win, and, and I want to bless them as well. That's something God's been showing me as I've been reading through Philippians. Looking back on these 15 years, it's been mostly sweet. It's not all been sweet. It's been hard. There's been some bitter moments mixed in, but even those bitter moments have been used by God to form me, to form us as a church, and to advance the gospel. And so it's good. I want to bless the work of the folks who aren't here at Riverside anymore, but have been instrumental in the work that God has done. Something I've just been blessed by as I've been reading Philippians this month. But for us specifically, verses 20 through 31 remind me that we have, that God has great plans for us as a church going forward. He's been giving us some neat things to focus on lately, really cool things um, that are way bigger than a pastoral change, amen? I mean, like way, way bigger. And look, I know change is unsettling. And sometimes during change, we can act goofy, right? Do you know that people sometimes act goofy during change, right? And so in light of those who want, like, probably me who wants to act goofy in light of change, I want to I compel us and encourage us to do this from Philippians. Conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul writes, in my absence, and I will say, in, in my absence as your pastor, I want us to stand firm in one spirit. That is, like, during this change, let's not go goofy. In my absence as your pastor, don't go goofy. <laughs> He's not changed. Let's be standing firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. 
one faith striving together, unity. The striving for unity is such a key component of the church, especially when a church goes through transition, especially pastoral transition, which is why it's critical right now that we as a family of God are of the same mind, have the same love, are, are, are one in spirit and in purpose. We consider each other more important than ourselves, looking not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. We embrace humility, unity, and selflessness as we continue to grow together and serve Jesus. That's the way of Christ laid out in Philippians. And we do this because it's the way of Jesus. We see in chapter 2 this mindset of Jesus as humility and sacrifice and unity and service and ultimately love. Communal love, a.k.a. the Trinity. Then after that glorious picture at the beginning of chapter 2, it's amazing, the picture of Christ in chapter 2. Then in verse 12, we get this shift of what it means for us to also live in light of the gospel, in light of Jesus. We're called to emulate Jesus starting in verse 12. It's an amazing passage. It straights in light of the love of Christ and love of the character of Christ that we're to do this. Continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works it in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I think this is a powerful verse that describes the Christian life. God does the heavy lifting, amen? Amen. God makes the first move. Amen. God makes a sustaining move. But, or maybe more and. It's not really a but, it's more of an and. The and of theology. We have an active role in following Jesus. We have an active role to follow Jesus. And I feel like I had to somehow get my Sermon on the Mount passage that I was assigned into the sermon, so here's where it fits. Jesus said this also in the Sermon on the Mount. This was a passage I was supposed to preach on. It's actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Jesus said these following words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the words of Christ, by the way. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So friends, I'm not confident if 20 years ago at a Christian camp for 15 seconds you said a prayer and nothing changed that that's faith. I'm not confident, I'm not making a proclamation, but I'm not confident everyone's had an emotional experience at one church service and, and nothing ever changed, nothing of substance changed in their lives. I'm not confident that is saving faith. I'm not confident that's, that's really faith at all. I'm not the judge. Praise the Lord, amen. <laughs> I'm just saying the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father. Or Philippians, continue to work at your salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, faith is a deep, deep sense of allegiance. It must lead to action and change in life. And before you get too worried about me preaching some works-based gospel or works-based salvation, I'm not. I'm not a works-based guy. I'm not saying you can work hard enough to earn God's love. That's not, the Bible's not saying you can work hard enough to earn God's love. It's just saying there should be evidence of love. Not just some random religious declaration in your past with nothing changing. And to make sure we don't adapt some work-based theology, I love what Christ says right away in the very next verse. He says this, to all you people who want to work for your salvation. Many will then say to me on that day, well, well, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? Did we do all this stuff? Then I'll tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. Away. In other words, on the flip side, you can do lots of Christian things. We can do lots of church things. We can do lots of religious things. We can grow up in a Christian family. We can do all the Christian motions. But if we don't know Jesus, love Jesus, are with Jesus, he says it's all just rubbish. Which is why over the past 15 years of teaching, you've heard me use this word allegiance a lot. One of my theological like things I just love to harp on is allegiance. We are saved by faith through grace, right? And, and faith, the word faith in, the, in the, this pistis in the Greek, it's got a very wide semantic range, and one of them is allegiance. We're saved through our allegiance to Christ. Not by any works that we've done, but by our faith, our allegiance to him. And that allegiance grows into love and grows into action, grows into active faith. That's what Jesus seems to state in the Sermon on the Mount, right? When we're allegiant to him, it's more than just saying, Lord, Lord. It's like, it's like our lives are allegiant to him. He's our Lord. <laughs> we say, Lord, Lord. And it leads to good works. It leads to good deeds. It leads to actions. Not saving actions, but evidence and fruit. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what Philippians continues to flesh out in chapter 2, where allegiant lives to Christ, what it looks like. For example, verse 16, as you hold firmly to the word of life. The way we hold firmly to the word of life is by giving our allegiance to Jesus, the word of life. It gets fleshed out in verse 17, sacrifice and service that comes from your faith. As we're allegiant, it leads to sacrifice and to service. So gospel allegiance. It's been one of my theological focuses over the years, and so I had to just, you know, Slip it back in there one more time before I depart. Lift off. And sort of my next career. See what I did there again? You guys? You guys? Okay. Now, right in the middle of Philippians, amazing theology, an amazing practical like, direction for the Christian life. This is like a, a, a letter written to a very broad church. Right in the middle of all that, it stops. It talks about specific folks in the church. It's really interesting. It's like all this high lofty theology, all this, this high lofty discipleship calling, and this talks, stops and talks about very specific people in the church. Because theology and gospel allegiance always must be fleshed out in actual community. Like in, 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 in the thick of actual community. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul, the founder of the Philippian church, transitions to discuss the next person who will be tasked with leading the church. Paul says this, I, kind of the founder, was with you guys from the, from the very beginning. I hope in the Lord, Jesus, to send Timothy to you soon. I, there's no one else like him who shows genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out of their own interest, not to those of Jesus Christ, but you know that Timothy, Pastor Timothy, has proved himself. as a son with his father, as a, and because he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I've been praying for you, Andrew, all month as I've read this passage. You, you like exemplify that passage. You so genuine concern for this church. You love people here so well. 
You are not selfish. You always look out for the interest of others. I love serving with you in the work of the gospel. And I'm so thankful. We've had a, pastors, you know, over the years would come and, 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 and they've been good. And I, I'm thankful for all the work they've done in the past. But Andrew came with a different sense of love for us. Which is why he's our next lead pastor. And I just, I want to bless him. The way Paul is, is blessing Timothy and saying the church, church, like Timothy is coming. He's really, really good and ready. Like Andrew's good and ready. And I'm so thankful for my pastor, Andrew, our pastor. So I just want to bless you and thank you. It's so cool. I was like, God, why do you want me to read this every single day this month? And I, I found out why over the months. It's so interesting, Philippians. Again, high lofty theology. It talks about a, a leadership transition. You can understand, right? The lead pastor saying, we're sending you Timothy, the next pastor. This, I understand that being kind of in the midst of Philippians, but then it talks about another person in the church. Verse 25, Ephroditus. And there's this just, it's amazing to me how scripture just stops and talks about another person the church knows and the church loves and says to pray for them and just, hey, because the church, we do ministry together, right? This is the work that we do. Foundational theology is always fleshed out in community, which is why Philippians then devotes six verses to a church member named Ephroditus, who's described as this, a brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, who's also your messenger, and the church is called to honor people like him. And this past week, as I was praying over this passage, the Lord was pretty clear. He says, there's some people in the church that we're also about to send off who exemplify that. So as a church, we should do this gospel work together to pray for people and to send them off. And so Moise, you come up here. David, Alyssa, Noah, Ethan, and Isaac. I don't know if you guys know this. They bought a house in my hometown of Cincinnati recently. They have sold their house here in South Bend. And they are moving in a couple weeks. And they have in many ways exemplified being brother and sisters and co-workers, fellow soldiers and messengers of the gospel. And we're called to honor people like them and to send them off and to pray for them. And so I thought, wait a minute. This is the work we do as a church, right? This is what a church is supposed to do. We're the family of God and we do this love stuff together and we send people off together. And so I want to do this together as a church. If you are in their home group, come on up. There's even another section in Philippians that talks about two people in the church. Two specific women that have tension in the Philippian church. So it's this. I plead with Udaya and I plead with Sunchi. I should have probably looked at these names way better before I tried to say them out loud. Sunaiki, thank you. To be one of same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Relax, I'm not going to specifically point anyone out right now. Thank you. Unless the spirit moves, anyone needs a microphone. I, just, I find it amazing. In the middle of, a, of this theological, beautiful letter, Paul says, hey, there's two women who have done amazing things for the gospel. You're like sideways. Figure this out. Get together and work on it. I just want to encourage us to church. 
we're, we've been sideways at times. I'm sure you've been sideways with me at times, and some of you have told me you've been sideways with me at times. Thank you. I'm, that's not passive aggressiveness. I'm thankful. Maybe it wasn't the time, but I'm thankful now. Let's do this work together. Let's not give Satan a foothold. Like, let's work it out. Let's do the heavy lifting of being a church together. I've gotten to see some of the harder things of being a church. I know there's probably tension even right now in our church. I'm not going to name names again. Relax. But if you have tension, let's, let's work it out. I mean, Philippians says, before we get to this lofty theology, let's do the work in the trenches together. doesn't mean they're going to necessarily be best friends with everyone in the church, but it's important that we devote time as Philippians devote space to these two faithful people in the church seeking peace. So as your pastor for only 30 to 45 more minutes, I will not be your pastor during the meal. I'm just going to be enjoying the meal. I'll be your friend later. So you're during the meal like, okay, good. Then it's, it is 35 more minutes. I'm going to encourage you, have the conversation, sit down, do the work. Do the work. Don't let things go unsaid. If you disagree with someone, that's okay. Friends, we have different perspectives on politics in this church. And this is one of the most diverse churches I've ever been around politically. It's just amazing. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's brought lots of tension at times, especially during COVID. But let's talk about it. We have different opinions on secondary theological things. Did you know that? There's some secondary theology in this church that people disagree on. There's some hurt we should all be working through. There's perceived biases we need to work on. There's some misunderstandings we should flesh out and work on. There should be some confession and repentance together. This is so important. It's central to the cause of the gospel, which is why Philippians lays it out very specifically for their local church. And the same is true for us. This is the gospel work. Now, Yeah, chapter three is amazing. Um, but I'm running out of time. I got to land the plane. I was waiting for you guys to go, oh, yeah. So in light of chapter three, this month, I've just been reading chapter three and I just go, Jesus. <laughs> it's just like, read chapter three, it's just like, Jesus. It's like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> right? Jesus. And reminded, don't align our lives with American politics. Give our allegiance to Jesus. Amen. Don't align your life with the Republicans or the Democrats. Give your allegiance to Jesus. And then chapter 3 is amazing. It pretty much says, don't go down some secondary theological rabbit hole that caused you to pull away from genuine community. That's what it says, Philippians 3.2. It says, don't let some secondary theological thing just kind of pull you away. Don't go down some theological rabbit hole where it keeps you isolated. Um, no. Give your allegiance to Jesus. Stay plugged into true community, even if there's some tension or diversity. And to sum up all of chapter 3, then chapter 4, verse 1 begins this way. It really sums up the chapter. My dear brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, oh, this is what I want. I want you to stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. Dear friends. That's the, chapter 3 is incredible. Um. And then nearing the end, chapter 4, verses 10 through 20, Paul thanks the Philippian church for their love and their concern for him over the years. Um, and let me just say, Riverside, you have been an amazing church to pastor. 
Um, a lot of you around six, seven years ago when I went away to a place. <laughs> Some of you are going, what's it talking about? You're about to find out. Six, seven years ago, after we had planted the church, bought, someone had bought the beacon for us. I was, I was pastoring Riverside full-time, also working part-time as, as an exec, executive pastor at River Valley Church still, because five kids, and had, they had health care. It was really nice. So full-time at River Val- Riverside, part-time at River Valley. We had started the beacon. as I was the director of the beacon at that point. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, for all the work you've done, taking that off my plate. Woo! Um, I was doing a lot, and I got burned out to the point where I was like more than just crispy. I was like done. I just shut down, got depressed. I mean, it was really hard. I remember Ryan and Lisa Rader coming to my house, and I was just crying on my couch at times. And they were just there just saying, we love you, we're here for you. It got to the point where the elders said, Keith, you, you, this is not sustainable, you're not doing well. And you all, the church, sent me away for three weeks to a clinic for burned out pastors and missionaries. Sent me away during Advent. Like, what pastor gets, like, skips December, right? And I remember talking to my other pastor friends saying, yeah, I'm, because pastors get burned out a lot. There's a clinic for this because it's not uncommon. And I told my pastor friends, yeah, my elders are sending me away to a, a clinic, and they're going, nuts. you have a job when you come back? I'm like, I didn't think to ask. I, why wouldn't I? They go, well, it's, you sure they're going to bring you back? I'm like, I didn't ask. I remember coming back in January and you all just loving me and caring for me. It's just not normal. Most pastors have to keep their church at a distance. I've not had to do that. I've never had to like hide my depression, hide when I had to be on medication for that. Never had to hide my doubts when I had faith doubts. I would share from pulpit like, Hey, I have some doubts in my faith. Here's how I'm working through it. I'm always able to be me, and, and I love you all for that. And as Paul thanks Philippian Church, I want to say thank you. Like, you've poured into me. You've cared for me, which is why, like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I do want to fly an airplane full time. I don't want to pastor anymore. But I want to be part of this family. That's because you've loved me well. You've let me be me, let me be a member of this church, and I thank you for that. And, that's, and Paul thanks the church for that, and so I want to say thank you for that. And so there, I thought I'd cry during that point, but I didn't, so that's, that's, that's good, not yet, oh boy. Whew. So with that, I'm going to end by simply reading the final verse from Philippians. This is my desire for you, for me, for us, as we go forward in this next season as a church. And I'm reading from the message translation, message paraphrase, I thought it was just so beautiful. Um, so I've read many translations of Philippians this past month. Um, but this is the ending of it in the message. That we would receive and experience the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ. Deep. Deep within ourselves. Thank you for listening to Riverside Church. For more resources, visit riverside.church.